So, new series that I'm starting today. Uh, wasn't here last week, and uh, thanks Steve Wise for bringing a good word. Heard from a lot of people, he brought a really good word. Amen. Awesome. Um, but, um, so today, I'm going to lay a little foundation for ne- next week is Steve Kelly, and then we have, we have two services before Easter and then Easter Sunday. And those three services are going to consist of what, what, I've, what I'm talking about. Uh, my, my message today is love's triumph. In other words, the love of God, the love of God and what love is, triumphed and overcame one time. There was a triumphant manifestation of the love of God that caused you and I to be victorious in our lives. Amen? And so we're, we're talking about that today and, and in those three messages, but what the, the other three messages will consist of is the last 24 hours, the last 24 hours before the crucifixion, and then the first 24 hours after the crucifixion. And, and so we're going to talk about everything that happened from the, from the cross to the throne. Everything that happened from the cross of Jesus Christ and, and everything that he, that he went through going to the cross and then everything that happened after it. So those three messages will consist of that. But today I'm going to talk a little bit of some foundation about regarding why he died. What was all this about? Um, what, we, what we know in Scripture, we know this in Scripture, that in 1 Peter 1 it says, before the foundation of the world, and actually, let, let's turn over and then just read that verse of Scripture in 1 Peter 1. <clears throat> First Peter 1 and verse 19, or verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Knowing this, that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, and back on verse 18, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Now think about this for a little bit today. Before the foundation of the world, before God created the earth, there was a plan. There was a planning meeting. There was a time, and we've been talking about this for a while. But before the foundation of the world, there was, there, there was a meeting. Well, what we see in Genesis 1 is, is that there was nothing. Everything was formless. There was, everything was void. There was, there was nothing except Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
In Genesis 1, we read in there, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and, the, and that Word became flesh. Well, He was in the beginning. And so, before the foundation of the world, there was nothing except Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because He always is. They're three in one. So, before the foundation of the world, God had a planning meeting, and he planned our lives because we've read in Scripture that before the foundation of the world, God had your plan, your destiny, and he created you to be great. No, ma- no matter where you came from, what happened in your early life, anything else, God had a plan for your life, and it was t- for you to be great. When we come to a place of relationship with Jesus Christ is where we begin to realize what that was he had planned for us. But this verse of Scripture says that before the foundation of the world, the blood of Jesus and the person of Jesus, who was the Word who became the Son of God and and God named Him Jesus, all of that was planned for Him to live, to be born, to live, to die, to be resurrected, to ascend at the right hand of the Father and represent all of mankind. All of that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Now listen, the plan of redemption, we think, happened the moment that Adam and Eve gave it up in the garden. When Adam and Eve gave it up in the garden, in that moment, the connection between God and man was separated. For 4,000 years of the time that we know of from creation, a 4,000 year period of time, God and man were separated but Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. But that plan was foreordained. Did we read that? I'm not not telling you this isn't my idea. This is what he said. He said he was foreordained from the foundation of the world. It It was a plan already set up before the mistake. Amen? And in that whole period of time of 4,000 years, God's whole plan was being worked out and everything was being set up so that you and I could be liberated and free. The Bible says God is love. Love is God. People say, well, what, what, what it, define love for me. I'll give you one word, God. 1 John 4 says that God is love. Love's triumph, its ultimate triumph, was to liberate mankind and cause mankind to once again be reconnected with God. That's what Jesus Christ did. For over 2,000 years since the crucifixion and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, mankind has had to learn how to reconnect with a God they can't see with their eyes, they can't necessarily touch. You'll see Him if He appears, but that's not His way. His way is that we believe in Him and hear Him and know Him through His Word and the Holy Spirit revealing the nature and the person of God in our lives. That's His plan. That's what He designed for us. And all of that was foreordained from the beginning of the world. So, this morning, I want to lay a little little bit of foundation regarding this. And I I I want to look at the word triumph in 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2. 
and verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Where? In Christ. In Christ. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We, we taught on this on Wednesday night, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But Revelation 19.13 says, And His name, the name of Jesus, Jesus is the Word of God. His name is the Word of God. This Bible is the Word of God that you and I need to know. This isn't all of God, it's just all you and I need to know. In this dispensation of time on planet earth, this is what you and I need to know. The more you grow in this revelation and understanding, the more you'll be convinced, like I am and like others are, that God is real and He's the God of the Bible. You know, but, but if you don't study it, you just be critical and, you know, and, and don't ever try to make people believe this. Don't, don't ever try to force belief on somebody that doesn't want to believe. You, you'll never force people to believe something that in their mind they don't believe they want. See, you, you, you live the life like Brian was talking about earlier. When your life is bearing fruit, and the fruit I'm talking about is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and meekness and self-control. When your life is demonstrating those things, people want what you have. Because you don't find people walking around every day that are, that are kind and in and, 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 and peace and walking in patience and forgiving and not thinking of themselves but thinking about the good of others all those kind of you don't see a lot of people like that just in a, on a regular basis so when people see someone like that they're drawn to that then when people want to know what your secret is to life if you're living that kind of a life you're able to share with them the goodness of God and how great God is see but he this verse of scripture here says Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. The word triumph is to overcome. In Christ. In Jesus. In the Word. In, you can't separate Jesus Christ from the Word of God. You can't separate the two. They're, they're, they're one and the same. The Word was in the beginning he became flesh, he dwelt among us, he was named Jesus, and now everything he accomplished from his birth to his ascension was invested in the name, and he gave us the name. He gave us the name. And you and I have been empowered to understand what that is. You, 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 can't, you can't benefit from the name if you don't understand that the name was given to you for you to use. You have the power of attorney to take the name and use it in the earth to see things change. See, he always causes us to triumph in Christ in every situation. He always causes us to overcome obstacles and situations that we face. So in other words, everybody sitting in here today has obstacles has issues, has things that you face, things that come against you. All, everybody does. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful and thankful, so grateful that he's given me the power to overcome those things. I don't have to tolerate things. You, you and I don't have to tolerate the fears of life and, and the pressures of life. We don't have to tolerate them. We can overcome them. 
right? And, and it, it's very simple, very easy to live a life where you tolerate things like that, but God created you and I to overcome situations. Amen. Amen. And that's what, that's what He wants. He wants you and I to live our lives overcoming. Now, you know this verse of Scripture, but I want to look at a word in this verse. You'll see it on the screen. John chapter 3. <clears throat> And verse 16, in the 15 verses before this, Jesus is talking to a um, very educated religious man of the day, Nicodemus, good man. I mean, uh, history and, and, and church history talks about just the integrity that this man walked in. And Jesus made the, the statement that, that you must be born again. Actually, I'm going to read a couple of these verses. He said, he said to him... Um, In verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus answered most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, which is the water of the womb, the physical birth, and the spirit, he cannot enter into, or one translation says, he can't see the kingdom of God. He can't see in form of revelation the kingdom of God and understand the kingdom of God. So you have to be, everybody sitting in here today was born once. Everybody in agreement with that? <clears throat> if you're sitting here today, you were born once. But then there's a second birth. There's being born a second time. And it's a spiritual birth. See? And Jesus was trying to get him to understand this. And, and, he, and he just couldn't. You know? And Jesus was kind with him. And he was patient with him. In verse 16 he said, here's the thing. Now, now, Jesus, the man, is telling him of something that he is going to do about two and a half years later. What he's explaining to him has everything to do with him, and yet he's explaining it to this religious leader. He said, for God so loved the world, when? Before the foundation of the world. He so loved the world before the world was even formed. That's how amazing God is. That's how mind-boggling that God himself really is. He so loved us before we were even thought about. Watch. That he gave us his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting what? What does it say? Life. The word life there is zoe that he would have everlasting life that comes from God. Not life that you just live in the natural, but life that is from God. God so loved you and I that he gave the best of heaven so that you and I could live in the fullness of who God is in our life, empowered to be able to overcome and be triumphant in everything that we face. I don't care what it is. There's not anything that Jesus didn't cover. Now, my natural mind, you know, I got born again when I was 18 years old, right at 18 years old, and uh, I'd never known anything about God. And the first time I heard someone talk along this line, I'm thinking to myself, wait, 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 this doesn't even make sense. And it doesn't. It doesn't make natural sense that one man could die one time, one one act of love 
this an enormous act of love that would die one time for the sins, mistakes, sicknesses, diseases, everything on planet Earth of people that lived before him and people that lived after him and people that lived in his day that every human being would be covered by the second birth. It doesn't make natural sense. First time I ever heard it, I thought, there's no way. Either that or somebody's been lying to me because nobody taught me this. I wasn't raised in church. I had no revelation, no understanding of anything that had to do with church. In fact, anything I saw about church, I didn't like. People that went to church, I didn't even like them. Most of them were miserable. They weren't happy. Had, there was no joy in their life. I mean, you know, I was living the life of my flesh and my, the way I wanted to live. And, and I, I wanted nothing to do with that kind of a life, you see. But there's a life in God that is a life beyond what your natural mind can even comprehend. And even though our natural minds get developed, we, we educate ourselves, we know things, we understand things, but we go from knowledge to a place of revelation. God doesn't want you to just have the knowledge of who Jesus is. He wants the revelation to be on the inside of you. And that comes through study and time and getting to know God, as Brian was saying earlier, about being in him. Abiding in him, knowing him, spending time wanting to know the things of God. I tell you, that the Bible says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. So God will sit and wait for you forever. But if you'll just take a step, I mean, if you just put your big toe out there, God will start moving towards you. See, he's already done it all, but now you've got to choose to want to know. You see, you've got to choose to want to grow and to increase and get this revelation in your life so that you can overcome in everything that you face. Can you say amen? Um, so, in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, <clears throat> It says, for you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There's a lot said there, but I want to make one point out of this. He said, you also, as living stones, everybody say, I'm living. Say, I'm a living stone. Okay, what, what, what is Jesus building? What's he building? The Bible says he's building the church, right? In, in uh, Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against, right? So he's building his church, and you and I are stones in that building. So our lives are to be confident so that my stone will set in place and the mortar around it, and as it's set in place, it will be a strength to the house. You ever seen a house that's starting to crumble when certain parts are just, you know, getting soft and, and, or, or they've been removed, and so the house is not growing strong, right? God, God wants your peace to be strong. And then you live your life where you look around, and when you see other people that don't have revelation, you just look at them like, well, that's building material right there. Huh? So, so the plan has to be that I have revelation and I get revelation from God about how 
my light is to shine and touch other people's lives. And so much of the time, it's not forcing things on people. It's not preaching at people. It's loving people. See, God so loved that he gave the best of heaven and it redeemed all of humanity. So why would you and I force somebody in anger and frustration and those kind of things and going to win anybody? The Bible says the kindness of God is what leads a man to a place of desiring to repent and deal with himself. See, and the kindness isn't something that comes out of the clouds that people are going to see up in the clouds and he's going to write them a note or something like that. The kindness is going to be seen in your life. See, when it's being demonstrated in you, people see it in you and they say, wait, I want what he's got. That's the way it works. This duplication process has been going on for over 2,000 years, right? And it's still working, and there's never been a time like right now for you and I to be involved in what God is building. And you and I are living stones. That living word there comes, it's not directly, but indirectly from the word zoe. The living stone is the life of God in what's being built in you. I'm a living stone. The life of God's being built in me, so I'm a stone that's a part of what Jesus is building. Remember, Jesus is building his church. See, if you and I think of it as, well, pastors building gates of the city. Wrong thought. See, he's building his church, so we're going to be a part of what he's building by us doing what he says. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, that's who we are, all right? We're these living stones. And something, the, the part that you and I have to see ourselves being is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And this is a real popular verse that we've read, but, but again, I want to look at this life. See, because what we're talking about, we're talking about the second birth, and his life, and his resurrection. I mean, his, his death and burial and his resurrection. We're talking about who he is and what he's done, right? And, and here in chapter 12 of verse 1, in verse 1 he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Say, sacrifice. Service. Okay? He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Was Jesus a sacrifice? He was the ultimate. And he died a death that some people in the devil thought was over with, but he was resurrected. He came alive, right? So he was the ultimate sacrifice. And what it looked like was the same type of sacrifices in the Old Testament. So if somebody sacrificed an animal, how was that done? Well, knife to the throat or whatever, and it's over with. That type of a sacrifice is really simple and easy. You just cut the throat, animal's gone, the blood is sacrificed, and that's what the Old Testament sacrifices were about for the sins of the people. But the Bible says you don't have to you don't have to get rid of your goats and your lambs and different animals anymore like that in sacrifices. You don't have to sacrifice any other human being. He is the one sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, one time for all men. Can you say amen to that? That's what he accomplished. 
What's difficult is, is that now in your and my life, what he's empowered you and I to do is to offer the sacrifices on the altar every day. Right? The sacrifices of our life in making changes to live and to, to line up with his way, you know, on a day-to-day basis instead of our way. The Old Testament sacrifices were one thing. To you and I, we get to and we're allowed to sacrifice daily by doing what? Serving. Serving mankind. Serving the world. Being a living example to other people of how real that God is. I'm telling you, man, I I cannot tell you how how important it is every day for me to make right choices that set the tone in life for everybody around me. I was with my family shopping the other day, and uh, we were in some stores, and I was dropping a couple of them off at a store, and I was going to go to another store and park. And I pulled up into this parking place in front of a store, and, and uh, I had my blinker on to pull into this parking spot. And uh, some lovely lady pulled up right on the other way, coming right at me, and she whipped into that parking place. And I'm sitting there. You know, in my mind, I'm envisioning, you know, I'm just going to ram into the back of her car, you know. I'm going to wait till she gets out of the car and call her all kinds of names, you know. I mean, I mean these, these thoughts come to my mind. But what, what does that set the tone for? Huh? Ugliness. Easy to be ugly. Easy to yell and cuss. I mean, you know, some people have a gun in the gun rack behind their head, you know, might pull that out, maybe have a pistol in their side or whatever and pull that out or whatever. I mean, people do it all the time. And what's that setting the tone for? Absolutely nothing good. See, every day... We have to sacrifice, or we don't have to, we, we, we choose to. See, I used to think that sacrifice was a bad word. But what I've realized is it's something that I get to choose to do, to sacrifice my will on the altar for his will. There's an exchange involved. And what I'm doing is serving mankind. So what do you do with people like that? What do you do? With your mouth, you just bless them because, listen to me, at the end of the day, what does it really matter? There's another parking place. Hmm? And actually, I just smiled at the lady, and I moved up, and another one pulled out, and I was closer to the door than she was. <laughs> no. I, but you know what? That, that, that didn't even matter. I'm just saying. It, it, it really actually happened just like that. But it, you know what? That doesn't even really matter. What matters is my attitude. See, if you let what other people do determine your actions, you're going to live stirred up all the time, mad and angry at the world. And you know what happens? The angrier you get with mankind, what happens? The angrier you get with mankind. And then one day, you might just literally blow. You you ever heard testimonies of people in jail that that murdered somebody and they said, you know, I I don't know what happened. I just snapped. No, no. 
you didn't live your life offering your will on, as a sacrifice to God and serving mankind by doing what's right and, and developing that. You've got to learn how to do that. Who's going to be kind to unkind people? If we don't, nobody's going to know that there's a God that's really that way. Jesus never made a mistake, and yet he laid his life down for the good of all mankind that we'd be liberated and free, and he never said, God, get them. He could have. God, look what all, all this mess has done. They, they don't appreciate anything that I'm doing in the way I'm sacrificing my life. Just take care of them. You know what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. That's what he said. And you and I have been created in the image of God to learn to do that, and he's empowered us, given us his name, and this, his ultimate love sacrifice put us in that place, in that position. In the three weeks uh, leading up to Easter, we're going to talk about everything that went on in that 24 hours before and the 24 hours after because there lies the keys and the answers to your and my victory, the way he acted. See, a lot of people see Jesus as just the deity of God, which he is. But what people don't realize is he didn't come to the earth to prove that he was something. He came to the earth to give you and I something. Give us his name. Give us his spirit. Give us the victory. Give us these things so we can triumph in everything that we face. Is it, is it possible? Either that or these scriptures are lies and God can't lie. These lies are truth. Can you say amen to that? Amen? So we're to offer that living sacrifice, which is part of the, your responsibility. It's our reasonable service. It's what we were created to do. Amen? So, <clears throat> look at Philippians 2, and I'm almost done. Philippians 2, and verse 12. Verse 12 of Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence, this is the Apostle Paul, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights to the world. Watch this. Holding fast the word of life. Holding fast the name of Jesus. Because Revelation 19.13 says, and his name is the word of God. Holding fast the word of life. See, I have to know the word in a way that the word will work for me in every given situation. I read this verse scripture on Wednesday and I said, I said, it's Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so let's meditate on that just for a second. I, Paul said this about himself and he was telling the church at Philippi that they could do the same thing. I now, so, so I'm saying it over myself. I can do all things through the living word, 
through the name of Jesus, through Christ the anointed one, I can do all things through Christ, through the name of Jesus that strengthens me. Do how many things? All things. So one day I'm doing something, a lady steals my parking place. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do what? I can walk in love instead of reacting like my flesh wants to do. I can offer the sacrifice of kindness and forgiveness other than demanding my right in that situation. That's what I'm offering, and I'm serving mankind the way Jesus did by doing what's right in that given time. Now, now that's just one example, but across the board, how are we going to react every time we face situations? Okay, let's say, um, let's say you are... Um, you're in the business world, let's say you, you work a job and you work for somebody, but you've got these desires to own your own business, let's say that. Okay, so you're doing some work and you're doing your due diligence and f- deciding what it is it's going to take for me to do the business and these kind of things, and so uh, all of a sudden one day you're watching someone else that is just just, I mean, they're just flourishing in what they're doing. They own their own business. Their business is flourishing. You're still working out certain issues. You're praying, asking God to show you things. You're looking for right contacts and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, the thought comes, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You're just wasting your time. This, you're a loser. You loser. You piece of work, you know. You think you could do something like this, and really, you're just a flat-out loser. Now, is that... A thought, I mean, do, do, how many have ever had a thought, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many have ever had a thought, something similar to that in a given type situation? Just think about that for a moment. Everybody in here has had some kind of thought. Where does the thought come from? Did the God of the Bible tell you that? You worthless piece of whatever. That's not the God of the Bible. Now, he may not, you might be working on something that that's really not his plan for your life, but you know what? He's going to let you go until you can understand how to hear him and realize things that he wants you to do and not do, okay? But he's never going to come to you and tell you you're worthless because he said he created you for greatness. Time and time and time and time again throughout the Word, he created every human being to be great. But you will never fulfill the greatness until you abide in him and connect in him through his Word, you see? So when you and I come to a place like we're talking about here and we realize what could be opened up in our life and these thoughts come to us, what do we do? Wait a minute. No, I can, I can do this. I can shut that thought down because I'm increasing. And you know what? I thank God for the person that's flourishing. Listen, rejoice with people that are doing well because, you know, when you can rejoice with people that are doing good, listen, you're next in line, or maybe two in line, or whatever. The good things are going to come to you that way. So rejoice. Don't get mad because of the thing. And, and it's those thoughts that want to rob you of you doing the things God wants you to do to fulfill his plan and purpose that he had planned for you before the foundation of the world. That's what I'm learning to tap into. See, when I, when I was young and growing up, my dad was a golf professional, so I was a golfer. Duh, right? So that's what God wanted me to do after I got born again. Surely that's what God wanted me to do, but it, that's not what he wanted me to do. And, and, and I fought it for a long time. And I, I fought it, but it was just a part of me. So just because I got born again, God's not saying, well, you can't play golf anymore. That wasn't him. See? 
He let me play golf, and I did, and I did some things. But over time, that wasn't my desire because the more I got to know him, I wanted the things he wanted for me, and I don't know how it happened. It just happened. And one day, I just didn't do that anymore. And I know and one thing I always said was, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll never be a pastor. So never say never because what happened was I desired to do this. I've been doing this for 28 years because I desire to do it. I could, be a, I could be easily be a golf professional or a number of other things in, in life, but I'm doing this because I want to do it because it's what God called me to do before the foundation of the world. I know it. I tap into it, and I know it's right. You see, that's what God wants you and I to tap into all the time. That's what love did for us. It triumphed so we could overcome day by day, situation to situation, no matter what we face. Can you say amen to that? Um, Verse, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Notice that sacrifice and service. We're sacrificing on the altar, our way for his way, and then serving in that and watching amazing things manifest in our life. He created you to be great, not just to survive. He created you for greatness. And when you tap it and you learn to understand it through the power of his word, there's no limitations to what God will do in you and through you. Can you say amen to that? Now, I'll end with this. Turn to Romans 8 and verse 28. And we know, verse 28, and we know that all things, everybody say all things, things. work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose and plan that he had planned for you before you were. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, which is you, he also predestined to be, con- to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn am- among many brethren. So Jesus is our elder brother. But, but I want to say it this way. All things work together for good. You say, yeah, but Pastor, you don't know where I came from. You don't know the bad things. That no, I don't, but God does. You don't know where I came from. I don't know where you came from, but we all came from somewhere. Okay, And those things that were not so good in the beginning of time will work for our good when we understand our calling, our appointment, and our purpose on planet Earth. And the only way you'll find that out is through the revelation of His Word and the Holy Spirit revealing that Word in your life. So the things that seem to not be so good, okay, once you get connected to the things of God, He'll make those things turn to your good because you, as you begin to step into the plan that he had planned for you before you were even thought about, amazing things will evolve and happen. The only way that you can accept that is by faith in God. You can't, you can't accept that. When I was 10 years old in my 
parents divorced and some really horrible things happened in my life and my family. Um, as, as a young boy, at 10 years old, you're not able to comprehend those things. But as time goes on, you think that like something's against you or maybe you think it's sometimes people when things don't work out right, you, you can have this appearance that it was a result of something you did, like it was your fault. Like, like well, maybe my parents wouldn't have divorced if, if I had been a better boy, you know, or maybe this wouldn't have happened if I would have been a better person or whatever. So along, along the time, as you grow older, you're, you begin to have these mindsets. Well, at 18 years old, I got born again, and, and I accepted Jesus, and so all of a sudden, my thought processes begin to change, and I begin to find things out, and I learn things about strongholds and mindsets and the ways that we think that have to change, and I learned what I'm sharing with you today about having to offer things on the altar and, and, and say, you know what, Lord, I don't know how to fix this. I hate this about myself. I don't like these things about me. I don't like what I see going on right here. But I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me. And you know what? That's all he waits for for us. You think that God, you think that God can't fix the things in our lives? He's already fixed them. You and I have to get in a place where we're receiving from him so our mind changes so we don't think that way about ourselves. I'm telling you today, you were created to be great, and I don't care how many mistakes you've ever made, God's already forgiven you, and he's empowered you to be triumphant and overcome anything that you face. The enemy comes and tells you that you don't measure up and you're not good enough, and well, you know, you'd be healed in your body if you were a better person, or this would work out. No, all those are lies. They're all lies. But at the end of the day, you're going to believe what you think over what anybody else tells you. So you can hear what I say today, but if you don't do anything with it, at the end of the day, you're still going to lay down on your pillow and think of yourself the way you've always thought if you don't begin to do anything with it. Wow, pastor said that today, that I was created to be great. I haven't felt great. I don't even feel great today. But in the name of Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Today, I believe I can overcome this situation and I can begin to make changes about the way that I see myself. And you know what? I've found that your actions have to begin to support what you say you believe, even at times when your head's screaming saying you don't. That's what I found. I, I, th this is kind of silly, and I'm just using the example of the lady at, at, the, at the store stealing my parking place, okay? But what would happen If I would have got out of the car, let me ask you, whose benefit is, is what I'm going to tell you? Whose benefit is it for, okay? Lady steals my parking place. I get out of the car, and I walk up to her, and I hand her a $20 bill. I said, ma'am, you know what? I'm sorry if I was in your way. I want to give you this. Now, how many in... Texas terms think that's really stupid, you know, right? That's ridiculous. But who's, who's needing to be benefited here? Who needs to work on something? See, if, if a woman like that in another car that I don't even know can get under my skin and stir up things in me, 
then I need to go to the extreme of doing something that is going to affect me. Because will you, will you remember that 20 bucks that came out of your pocket? Yeah, absolutely you will. You'll remember that day for the rest of your life. You know what? Things begin to change in me that day because I don't want to be paying people 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever. You, you, you see what I'm saying? The, the extreme is for you to learn how to offer the sacrifice that Jesus paid for for us so we could learn to do his will and then want to do it. Want to be kind. I want to do it. I don't care what I feel like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I want to do what's right. Man, because the world is waiting for people that will just be different. Let's pray.